0: What's going on ladies and gents, Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com. And today I have a special guest, Sylvia Tabor on the line. She has run the gamut, kind of been on all different ends of the spectrum as it relates to dieting. She was vegan, now she's carnivore and everything in between. I'm excited to dive into conversation here and see where it takes us. How are you, Sylvia?
1: I'm doing all right. Thank you for having me on.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So this is the first time we've ever spoken. So the the audience and I are both kinda in for a treat here. Just kind of flesh out what got you into the keto space and, and how, how you wound up being here after being vegan. Like what made you want to go vegan? Just kind of give me some background.
1: Um, wow, well, it's it's been a definitely a very long journey. Um I was born and raised in Poland and we had our own farm and whatnot. And I was used to eating just real food my whole life. We barely have access to anything processed back in Poland. And after moving to U.S. at the age of 13, I kind of started having a lot of health issues. And I was very active. I played soccer in, in high school and then came uh, got a lot of health issues and broke my knee and recovery from that was pretty bad. And then on top of that, I struggled with a lot of digestive issues as well. And then later on, um, I tr- in college, I stumbled upon many vegan documentaries that kind of swayed my way into veganism. And um, I never really found anything wrong with eating meat. But then moving here and just hearing and seeing um, how the animals were treated in the U.S. and, you know, the factory farming and all that stuff, that kind of scared me. And I didn't really go vegan for the health benefits um, of it because at that point, I already had a really, very clean diet. I always stuck to um what i knew back from growing up in poland just real food basically fruits vegetables some nuts and seeds and fish and chicken because um beef was beef and pork were um in my family when we moved to to us it was kind of like demonized in a way um but just watching the uh, vegan documentaries that kind of swayed me towards veganism and just, you know, wanting to save the world. And I thought that I would do that, but by, you know, not eating meat. Um, And it wasn't long until I actually ran into many, many health issues. In college, I was still very active. I was a runner, um, six miles a day, you know, in the morning, that was a norm for me. Later on, I would build up to like 30 miles a day. And it took a really um, huge toll on my body after switching to vegan diet. My body was so depleted. No matter what I did, I could never sustain energy. And I was just crashing throughout the day. And I was trying to keep up with my uh, work schedule, with my school schedule and then working out as well. It was just, it wasn't working for me at all. But I was so determined to just make it work because I believe in it so much. And, you know, I reached out to all the vegan gurus out there who were supposedly so healthy, they didn't look healthy, but you know, they were claiming that, you know, they were thriving and all that stuff. So I would reach out to them and they would say, recommend, you know, all these supplements that of course would cost you know at least a hundred dollars for like three ounces of some powder or some liquid that was supposed to help me with everything unfortunately it didn't it just gave me a very expensive diarrhea pretty much (laughs) and aside from that it's just i was just going downhill from that my digestive system went to you know shit pretty much and i couldn't I got to a point where I couldn't digest any nuts. Um, I would get horrible rashes all over my skin. And from that point, I came across, you You might, maybe you heard of her um, freely. She was like a huge proponent of just fruit diet and was like the 30 bananas a day type of diet thing. Mm-hmm. And then 80, 10, 10 diet, which was basically 80% fruit, then 10% um, vegetables and 10%, some healthy, um, vegan oil or something like that, um, that you get to eat throughout the day. And after switching to that, um, I got even worse. Um, that type of diet, which I stayed on was, uh, for about a month, not a month, but a year. Um, it led me to very severe eating disorder that I struggled with for six years afterwards. And then I got I was so depressed, I literally started looking up um <laughs> how I can die as soon as possible, basically, if I can find any drug on, online that I can take. And that was probably the bottom of the whole vegan experience. Um, that kind of led me to looking back towards or implementing back um, animal foods into my diet. But it was a dark, very dark um, point in my life, or just I'm happy that it, you know, it ended because honestly, it was the lowest um, I got it. Um, in terms of, you know, different diets, I never thought that um, diet could really lead you into even planning your, you know, your own suicide, basically. And it was just amazing to me, uh, you know how how much different I felt just from adding a little bit of fish next to my diet. It totally changed my brain chemistry and how I felt, you know. And then like body wise, energy wise, and mentally.
0: So there's so many different areas I want to dive into here. Let's just rewind a little bit and go from the beginning. You you were uh, you're from Poland originally and. Your diet then was like a wholesome diet, but you were still eating grains and breads, I'm assuming, right?
1: Um, yes, we were, but that was, um, we prepared them that, that, like an ancestral type of way. Then we also mm-hmm. grew our own wheat and grains, our own, our, on our, our own land. And the wheat in Poland is a little bit different than it is in the US, where here it's like all pretty much GMO um even though if it's organic it's still a different type of wheat so yes we did um do uh, a lot of bread in Poland and we fermented it for days unlike here um maybe there are some smaller um companies now that actually ferment the grains which can be a little bit easier on the digestion but we definitely did that we also used um uh, we sprouted everything um, so we did use a lot of those type of um, food preparations, like the ancestral type of food preparations. I did still struggle a lot um, with many digestive issues as a kid. Um, my great-grandmother, she was French, and she would always introduce like new food to, to my diet and my uh, sibling's diet. And the one thing that she found that was, according to her, very amazing was cornmeal and i remember i was throwing up crazy time after having that but her uh, mentality was like that's okay you're gonna get used to it you know you're gonna throw up a few times then your body is gonna um get used to that so just keep eating it but i, I don't think that was uh <laughs> that was a good probably idea not the best, yeah no probably not
0: so what what um Like, do you know what specific digestive issues you had? Like, was it like slow transit bowel or IBS? What was it specifically?
1: It was uh, IBS mostly. Um, For me, if I ate something that didn't agree with my digestion, um, and it was actually kielbasa that I would eat with milk. And in Poland, we believe that you should not uh, mix milk with any meat. But for whatever reason, I would always like to do that. And I would end up throwing up um, the whole night or sitting on a toilet the whole night. And that was pretty much like the beginning of it. And then I know that in my, I've done a lot of genetic testing and I know that on um, like 90% pretty much, there's a chance that I will have some sort of digestive issues. And that runs in my family um, pretty much. From like generations and generations, and I also did a lot of um, I also did a lot of gut testing for my microbiome, and it also also shows um, a lot of Crohn's, IBS, and even possible colon cancer if I don't take care of um, the issues that uh, surface uh, early on in life.
0: And and I I don't want to jump off too far ahead too quickly here, but do you have any of those issues now or like do you have any I mean what's what's your digestive system like now with your carnivore approach
1: it definitely has improved um, the one thing that I and I don't want to blame any everything on you know on the vegan diet but it certainly didn't help with my um, digestive issues um, towards the end of the whole vegan thing I started seeing blood in my stools and that kind of freaked me out and that was pretty much the beginning of my um, IBD uh, that was diagnosed later on and I since then I struggled with a lot of issues I was basically bound to toilet like I couldn't leave the house or I wasn't sure if I could leave the house because if Wherever I was going, if there was no bathroom near, then it wouldn't be good. But Mm -hmm. now on the carnivore diet, that's definitely improved by, oh my God, by a lot. And I know that many people, you know, are afraid of removing fiber. And I've studied and researched fiber extensively because I believe that I need it as well. But it actually turns out that, you know, including fiber, even from like plant vegetables, it doesn't improve any IBD symptoms whatsoever, and if anything, it actually causes more issues. So it definitely has improved on a carnivore diet.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. You know, I I was looking at some research um, from this this past conference. They were talking about you know fiber in the diet, whether it's needed or not, even if whether it's it's good or bad. Because I've I've often viewed you know, vegetables is something I don't, I certainly don't need to have. Like I, I'm, I'm not carnivore. I'll kind of cycle in and out of carnivore, but I don't have to have veggies. Um, I just, you know, bring them in every once in a while. But this interesting concept that's surfacing now seems to be the fact that having veggies can, can actually be, you know, more of a detriment and not just like a, like a, you know, have them or don't have them, but actually be a negative in your digestive tract. I don't know all the research on that yet. I haven't really fleshed it out. But it's 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 interesting to think that it's it's actually doing harm as opposed to just simply being there.
1: Yeah, there's a very interesting studies coming out there. Um, Georgia eats. She she mentioned few studies, um, and one that I found interesting was that combining things like oysters with fiber, and when you combine. Oysters, uh, when you eat oysters just on its own, you basically absorb 100% of the zinc and other minerals in that uh, from those oysters. When you combine it with something like, I think, corn tortillas, that goes down to like 40% absorption. And there was another thing that they, I think something with wheat, uh wheat fiber when you combine it with that then you basically just absorb maybe like 20% of the nutrients from that so it's very interesting that you know if anything i would um i would recommend people just you know eat your vegetables sort of like away from the meat source because they're so meat is so nutrient packed that you know not many people realize that and it's so readily absorbable and bioavailable and when you mix that with fiber, you know, that absorption goes down significantly.
0: Yeah, it, it's interesting. You know, people, we're, we're so stuck in this stigma of you have to have fiber. And, and one of the best ways I've heard it put is fiber acts as the antidote to carbs. Like if you have a high carb diet, including fiber kind of helps, you know, move things through and then um, prevents some of that from being absorbed. You obviously wouldn't want that if, if you're trying to have full absorption, but you know, if you're not having the carbs, which you're not, if you're on a ketogenic or carnivore based diet, there's no need to have that antidote, so to speak. So I definitely believe that, you know, our our need and demand for, you know, fiber and vegetation is drastically reduced from what people have just been told their entire lives. That's just an interesting phenomenon to grasp. But it's uh, definitely the case with all the, the up and coming research.
1: Exactly. Well, when you look at it, fiber essentially what fiber is. It's a binder, so it'll bind to, you know, toxins and everything else. So in a way, that's good. But then, <laughs> when you actually look back, like on vegan diet, when they're eating mostly, well, the healthy vegans at least. If they're eating mostly like really good vegetables and stuff like that it's almost like they're constantly in this detox stage you know it's constantly just binding to everything and then if they're not um, supplementing with other things the body essentially will start <laughs> taking those nutrients from their body so yeah i mean yeah fiber can be good but then I think the dose is probably what makes it a poison.
0: Yeah, that 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 makes complete sense. Um, I I really want to dive into the the journey through like the vegan and the fruit based diet because I've had a few you know posts or vegan (laughs) vegans on the podcast and they've almost always transitioned into like a keto based you know meat based approach because it seems that consistently amongst all of them after about. Six months to a year, they just noticed this huge dip in performance and like clarity. And I think it has hundred percent to do with that, just mineral deficiency and vitamin deficiency. Um, but for you, when you started, you, you started because you were just compelled by the, the documentaries. Did you do a lot of research when you first started and kind of try to go about it the, the right way? I'm assuming there's probably a quote-unquote right way to do vegan versus just jumping in but what was it like when you first started doing it and like what were some of the things you noticed right off the bat
1: um yeah definitely like anything and everything i jump into i always do a lot of research on it and and not just like internet research i try to if if there are papers that i have to pay or like research papers i'll spend that you know 100 bucks to review that paper or whatever it is um because i just don't want to go off of somebody who wrote something you know and they claim that they're an expert on the internet so i always do my research and i've um prior to it prior to jumping like right into it um i did start just lowering my intake of protein and stuff like that and then I started incorporating all the right um, amino acids and stuff like that. And then the omega- omega-3s that are um, plant-based as well. And then I also supplemented with other um, vitamins and all the super, the superfood powders and whatnot that's supposed to help as well. And And another thing is that you know you always have to make sure that their absorption is right, that the supplements are processed without any byproducts left, like heavy metals and all that stuff. I always make sure that I look into it. And and once you end up on a product that you know really fits your you know like quality standards, you end up paying like hundred fifty bucks for a bottle of something, and it gets really really pricey. And then. For me, unfortunately, none of those supplements really helped me with my energy or with just feeling normal. And on top of that, I was um diagnosed um anemic and my doctor said, You no matter what um what I take or do or eat, you know, I'll always be anemic and my levels are gonna be low and I have to take um like a prescription iron supplement type of thing. And it's funny because now on carnivore diet, I actually retested and I went back to my doctor and he's like, oh, see, your levels, uh, iron levels look great and ferritin looks great and all that stuff. And he asked me like, what I, uh, what am I taking? Because the supplement, the prescription that he gave me, it wasn't helping me. So I told him nothing, I just eat red meat. And he looked at me <laughs> all weird and surprised. Uh, he's like, really? I'm like, yeah, I just eat red meat. And honestly, it helps so much. Like I feel the difference. There was no supplement out there on a vegan diet that could help me. And, you know, the vegans will tell you, oh, you need to take more spirulina and it will help you. Well, no, it didn't help me. The only thing that it did for me was give me orange hands and green stools. That's basically it. And I never felt better from it. I just felt extra tired my thyroid wasn't working well either despite like all the iodine supplements that I was taking it was just it was just really hard really hard on my body and you know whenever I reached back to all the vegan experts they it was just constantly oh you're detoxing you know or you're not doing it right or I'm like well I'm doing everything you're telling me to do I've done all this research and it's still not working I mean something's wrong
0: what is the I mean I'm not trying to bash any group of people by any means but what what is the the vegan community like as a whole I know like the, the keto community is I've got a pretty good you know pulse on that and I, I love the keto community what, what is the vegan community like because they're they're pretty they're pretty passionate about what they're <laughs> what they're doing right
1: they are very passionate and they will love you and support you as long as you stand by what they believe. But as soon as you start challenging their beliefs, they will turn around and they will just give you their peace of mind. And it's not pretty. And I mean, even on my own uh, Instagram page, I have some vegans that, you know, say pretty harsh things and I'm like, well, is this what vegan diet is doing for you? Like making you into this angry. Um, constantly hungry person because, uh, you know, if that's the case, I definitely wouldn't wouldn't want to go back to it. And what's funny to me is that, you know, one of the reasons that I went vegan, I also thought that I was really into yoga and all that stuff. And I wanted to be like more spiritual and, and things like that. And I thought like, okay, if I go vegan, you know, that's kind, uh, kind of going to go hand in hand together and I'm going to explore. Uh, experience this bliss in my life, especially when practicing yoga and and meditation and whatnot. And it was kind of the opposite. Like I remember doing yoga and just feeling so angry and so hungry. And all I wanted to tell my teachers like, can you please hurry up? Cause I'm so tired of your, you know, kind words. And I just want to like snap at her. And now with the carnivore diet, I just feel, I honestly feel calm and zero anxiety throughout the day. And it's just that level calmness that you don't experience that up and down, you know, those highs and lows. And, you know, and I actually experimented it quite a bit with psychedelics, in my life as well, mostly to just, um, going through the eating disorder part of my life. Um, that kind of led me into diving into psychedelics and uh, thinking that, you know, whatever is causing it, you know, maybe I can kind of heal it through all these Mm -hmm. psychedelic journeys as well. And uh, that's, you know, like another part of, of my whole experimenting, but yeah, vegan diet definitely doesn't help with spirituality and the vegan community is definitely not not a kind crowd. Once you start challenging um, their beliefs.
0: Is there I mean, collectively, is their main motivation for being vegan to not kill animals? Or is that kind of like? Is it like a hidden meaning? I guess
1: I believe that, you know, they do mean well, and they do want to, quote unquote, save the planet. They want to do no harm. But when you really look into vegan diet and what it's doing to the environment, it causes more harm than eating, you know, grass fed cow that you maybe bought from, you know, the farmer next door. When you look at the whole environment and the monocropping of, of soy of wheat and everything and corn and everything else is just more damaging to the planet than, you know, eating meat. And once I actually researched that, because it was it was hard for me to switch from vegan to eating meat because of the environmental issues, but once um I dove into the research and found out actually the opposite, that vegan diet is destroying and depleting this planet and causing more harm, then it was kind of easy switch um to carnivore and you know, solely eating meat.
0: It's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm trying to, like, my dad's a biologist, so he's big into, you know, conservation and, you know, puts a lot of effort into to making that a better place for animals. I mean, he kills a lot of animals, obviously, but he does so in a very humane way um, for the betterment of the animals as a whole. And I've just always grown up, you know, hunting, living off the land. And it, it's interesting because I feel like there's such a negative stigma against hunters from vegans, but I mean, honestly, knowing the hunters that I do, I think they're probably one of the most, uh, you know, conservationist, um, animal friendly group that I've ever dealt with. And I, I, I don't think, I, I think there's just, a, um, an ignorance surrounding the fact of what's actually happening with the environment from, from like you're talking about this, uh, you know, mass soy production, corn production, wheat production versus what, you know, hunters are doing from a conservation standpoint, and trying to manage these populations, um, there's just such a disconnect there. And I don't want to, you know, say one thing over another as I'm in no position to, you know, judge anybody. I think, you know, I, I do think a lot of the vegans are coming at this with the right intentions. But I mean, just a little bit of research on what's actually happening from an environmental standpoint to these animal populations would, would go a long ways. <laughs>
1: Uh, I agree with you hundred percent. I mean, hunting for your own food, that's pretty much like the optimal, you know, th- that's the best thing you can do. I mean, you work for your food and once you get it, I mean, I can't imagine the appreciation you have when you sit down in front of that piece of steak for dinner and, you know, just the, the feeling and gratitude you experience from that you know versus going to a store and buying something you know that's probably like the best way you can you can get your food but yeah i mean like you said vegans probably do have good intentions but once it turns into a religion and their refusal to look into um just the other way until they basically Break physically and mentally so much that they have no other thing to do, but, but to look the other way and look into, into, you know, maybe meat is not causing all these issues. Then they're, you know, realize, Oh my God, I was wrong this whole time. And I've been there, you know, I've been there as well. And, um, I went through all of that. I'm just glad that, you know, whatever health issues I went through that they happened for me and I grew from that
0: yeah i think i mean you you bring a very interesting perspective to the to the table i mean people people can listen to your story and and know that you're coming from an honest place and and learn from it so they don't have to go through it um what was your motivation for going from the vegan approach to the predominantly fruit based approach was there like a I don't know anything about that diet, the 80%. I've heard about the banana girl or whatever her name is, but yeah. she basically just eats a bunch of bananas a day. That's her plan?
1: That that was the case at the beginning, but then she started having a lot of health issues. So she started implementing um, cooked uh, vegan foods as well. But uh, for me, why I switched was because uh, my digestion got so bad that I couldn't even digest vegetables at that point. Nuts were causing me a lot of skin issues and I develop a lot of nut intolerances. So which was basically my main source of protein that I used. And I always sprouted, soaked and sprouted nuts just to get rid of all the anti-nutrients and, you know, help with the digestion part of the nuts as well and i never used um soy in my diet i or wheat i was sort of like the clean type vegan where i didn't use any of the toforki that they make out there and now you have the beyond burger stuff that came out recently i would never use any of that stayed away from soy stayed away from wheat um and, but yeah, uh, unfortunately, at, at some point, I just wasn't able to tolerate any, even vegetables, like I said. And so I decided that, you know, fruit digests really well. And, you know, since I was so low on energy that, you know, the fruit sugars definitely would help me with that. And I still tried, uh, maintaining my level of activity. And I was a cyclist and a runner and, uh, you know, my performance kept declining. And then my mental health just crashed on the fruitarian diet, well, all food diet. Um, that's basically, even though maybe the energy sort of maintained um, the mental aspect of the diet, the, you know, the lack of the saturated fats and the healthy cholesterol that we get from animal foods. Um, that had a huge huge impact on my mental health.
0: Yeah, I would have to assume that if you're eating, you know, 80% fruit, I mean, your your hormone levels have to be just absolutely in the tank.
1: Oh my gosh, it w- it was horrible. I mean, I lost my period for like 3 years. It was it was just horrible. I mean, not to even mention, you know, like libido. You have absolutely zero desire for sex and good thing that I was single at that time and otherwise i mean i don't even know it was crazy like from the hormone perspective vegan diet is great at killing your libido that's for sure
0: yeah that's that's not a that's not something (laughs) that you want to advertise as a good thing
1: (laughs) no definitely not i mean if you look at it you know vegans um my mentor my vegan mentor told me like sylvia don't you know that you know if you really want to save the planet um refrain from having kids you know and vegan diet is really good at that you know majority of the (laughs) vegan people that I know like have absolutely zero desire to you know procreate or like most women they lose their cycle especially if they're active so it's like no-brainer you know I want to save the world I guess go vegan
0: yeah it sounds like a great way to just like wipe out the human race
1: <laughs> uh, basically yeah
0: i don't think i'll be uh, participating in that at any point no. in your future you're <laughs> I
1: mean, getting married soon so i hope you don't go vegan
0: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> no 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 plans no plans yeah. for vegan um so so what was your what, what were you doing for protein when you're eating that much fruit i mean what are you getting in for protein
1: that's the thing. Like I, I started using uh, pea protein because that was like the only thing that didn't cause like any digestive issues for me or any skin rashes for me. So that's that's basically what I use pea isolate um, for protein, and aside from that, nothing else really. And they were claiming like, oh, there's still protein in the fruit. There's still protein in. The little bit of vegetables that you're eating like you have nothing to worry about well the reality is that you know that protein that's in the fruit and vegetables it's still wrapped in um uh, as a casein and fiber too so you definitely are not absorbing whatever little bit of that protein is in there you're not getting any of that from it so my main source was uh pea isolate pea protein isolate
0: that is that is not not, not adequate and yeah. from like, um, uh, I mean, just simply taking in all those fruits, I mean, the fruits of today are nothing like the fruits of hundreds of years ago. So like they've been genetically modified to be just incredibly sweet and lower in actual nutrients. So, I mean, I would have to assume that you're, I mean, you're probably borderline diabetic just consuming that much fruit, fructose.
1: Yeah, I I honestly never done any testing for that, but I was also running so much and exercising so much that I don't know if I was. Um, I mean, I would wake up like five in the morning, go for a run, um, fasted run, um, uh, for like four hours, and then you know I would go to to school. Um, uh, I was in college at that time. I would go to school then. Um. After classes, I would still go to gym and do like weight, uh, weightlifting workouts. So I don't think I was, but I mean, I I never felt like that. I just felt, um, I, the, the most, um, I guess like severe thing that happened was basically like the brain, the mental health that went, um, just, you know, Bottomed out on on the all fruit diet that I felt and in hormones, but I don't know about the how um, it affected my blood sugar levels.
0: So so diving, I mean, if you're if you're comfortable talking about it, kind of flesh out the like at your deepest darkest point there. You've been vegan for quite some time, and then the fruit based diet for quite some time. Your your hormones are in the tank, and just the the mental hit that you had to take when all your, you know, biomechanics are just shot. What I mean, they had to be pretty, pretty rough. I mean, nothing seems to be working for your body, your digestion's not working. And then no matter how much time and energy and and research you put into fixing things, it all just seems to get worse and worse and worse. So I can, I can imagine that has to be like, so it must've seemed like the, the wall that you had to climb to see the light of the end of the tunnel just didn't even exist. Like there was no light.
1: Yeah, there, there absolutely was no light. I mean, I, I seriously went online and I started researching what drugs I can take to end my life. And the only thing that kind of kept me going was just thinking about my family and what it would do to my family. And I, I, you know, Waking up in the morning was just like, what's the point of it? You know, my mentality was like, well, I'm going to die anyway. You know, why live another day and struggle, go through all these, you know, physical and mental pain if I can just end it today, you know? And it was that type of thing that happened like day after day after day. And like I said, the only thing that kept me going was the thought of my family. You know, I just didn't want them to go through, um, through that, you know, so, but just every single day, I remember, um, when I would wake up, I would just see no point, no point of, you know, living another day. And it's just the, the physical pain, you know, and the mental pain, it was too much, it was too much. And I was always hoping that, okay, maybe next day, if I wake up next day, if I can go another day and wake up, maybe it's just going to go away, you know, and I I was always um huge believer into doing like all this spiritual work and mental work. And I've read so many like self-help books and, you know, on, on positive thinking and all that stuff, you know, and I'm always, um, I've been always into incorporating things like the sunlight and fresh air and movement and I thought if I could do that if I can just make myself uh, go outside and be in the Sun a little bit you know maybe it's gonna help a little bit but it never did and and like I said <laughs> I'm happy that I didn't really find anything online that could help me just take my life easy but you know it's it's just funny because if I were to just eat, you know, a piece of fish or maybe some egg, I would wake up the next day feeling normal. And eventually that's what happened. But um, yeah, it, it's just hard. And I hear a lot of people go through the same thing, the same mental struggle. And um, and they don't realize that it's as simple as just, you know, switching your diet a little bit.
0: What What did your... Your family think of all of this when it was going on? Did, were they kind of in the dark to it all, or did they know that you were going through a lot?
1: No, they they had no idea. I'm pretty good at hiding all that stuff from my family. They, they didn't know. The majority of the time, they didn't even know that I was vegan. You know, when I refused to eat um, meat, I was just like, "Oh, I don't feel like eating meat today." You know, and I lived on my own. And whenever we gathered to the, uh, to get uh, together. for meals it was for like birthdays or Christmas and you know and I always made an excuse you know not to eat meat so they didn't even realize that for a very long time that I was vegan
0: and and when you were kind of there at the depth of it all that's when you started experimenting with the the psychedelics to see if that would give you any kind of greater enlightenment as to what to do going forward
1: right so in the middle of the whole Fruitarian diet. Um, I developed a binge eating disorder. Um, or I guess habit, if you want to call it that. Um, and it was just taking even worse toll on my brain because I felt like I, it, something was just taking over my physical body. And, you know, I don't know if you ever went through an episode where you just start eating and you can't stop. And it's like, I would eat to a point when I would feel physically ill, but my brain would still want to eat and I just Mm. couldn't stop. And it's just like something that seriously, it felt like something would take over me and just do whatever it wanted to. And I had no ability to make it stop. And that again, um, made it even worse on my mental health. And at that point I started diving into. Psychedelics and Ibogaine and ayahuasca and psilocybin and all that stuff. And not really knowing much or experimenting much with those things prior to that, um, I decided I would go and do Ibogaine. And Ibogaine is known for, um, they use it basically for like opioid addiction and substance abuse stimulants um, to end substance uh, abuse. And I've read uh, many people actually use it for things like eating disorders, but mainly of course, like the, to end the addiction to hard drugs. So I went to this um, place in uh, Mexico and you basically go to this clinic because Ibogaine is a very, uh, very (laughs) effective, I don't wanna say drug, but substance. And you definitely need to do it under supervision of medical staff and the experience was amazing i mean i've it definitely changed the way i think the the way definitely ended my eating disorder and definitely helped with it, it was weird because it changed me on so many levels and it made me realize like the little addictions that i had in life like even to my phone, to, uh, watching daily news in the morning. I would always wake up and I would have to watch the news in the morning. And I realized like all these little things that I was doing that were pretty much, that weren't benefiting me in any way whatsoever. And it was funny because after that I stopped like even drinking coffee. I stopped watching TV. Like I didn't watch anything on TV. I could care less for it. And I had this sort of attitude towards life, like, you know, I don't give a fuck like what people think about me, especially people that I don't care about, you know, that I never mm-hmm. met. And before that I would always stay quiet and not want to say anything because I would worry about, oh, what is that person gonna think of me? You know, and after that, after the Ibogaine I began experience it kind of went away. And It definitely, the effects of it or the benefits of it definitely last for at least like three months. But then you sort of like go back to being um, your old self. But if you maintain doing uh, the new habits that you sort of acquired, it sticks with you.
0: And, And that's called Ibogaine?
1: That was Ibogaine. Yeah, Ibogaine is probably on top of all the psychedelics out there.
0: Is it like ayahuasca?
1: Uh, it's a little bit more than ayahuasca. <laughs> really? Um, yeah, it, it is. That's why it has to be um, done uh, under supervision of medical staff. You basically are hooked up into like all the medical equipment that monitors your heart um, and your magnesium levels. And you're under the expense you take because you take a pill. Uh, they give you a pill um, and it. Basically, the whole experience lasts for about 18 hours and you see a lot of visuals and the things that I saw were incredible. I mean, it was HD, you know, first row seat and you're in it and you're just the things that you're experiencing and seeing, I don't even know like how my brain was able to come up with all that stuff. And there was a lot of healing involved as well, a lot of like childhood drama that I didn't even know that I had like, you know, deep in me that I had to deal with. So that came up a lot too, that I felt I kind of resolved many issues um, in that regard. And then um, just the whole brain rewiring that happens during the whole experience is very profound. I mean seriously, you you do it once and the changes are just amazing. I mean truly truly amazing and and spiritually as well. You just feel this calmness um afterwards and it's just it, it's hard to describe. It's really it's really hard to describe, but it's just amazing. And since then I actually started uh, microdosing on ibogaine for like the um, like sort of meditation purposes, because Mm -hmm. I do believe meditation has profound effect on the brain. And although I wanted, you know, I was doing it every day uh, prior to microdosing on, on ibogaine, but I feel I get a better effect just from taking the microdoses and I feel much faster effect from it. And it's the same pretty uh, the same um, result as if I were, you know, meditating three months straight um, every day, just from taking a small microdose. So yeah, might be lazy way of <laughs> meditating, but it's quick and it saves me, you know, 40 minutes in the morning and at night. So um i i utilize it for for that as well
0: no no, this, this is interesting and, and so you you tried that and then what was the other ones you you listed off the the psilocybin mushrooms
1: yeah psilocybin mushrooms and then psilocybin mushrooms i it's kind of funny because ibogaine is the uh, on top of the psychedelics so i started with that then i i did ayahuasca I've been through over 10 ceremonies of ayahuasca. And ayahuasca is, uh, it's interesting. Um, it does have a lot of um, brain benefits as well. And, you know, in terms of spirituality, but it also uncovers a lot or it helps you heal from um, a lot of trauma in your life. But it takes a little bit longer than Ibogaine. Um, with ayahuasca, you pretty much have to, it's like peeling off the layers of your past, you know, or trauma that you've been through, you know, one ceremony, you might, you know, experience just a lot of love and a lot of, you know, happiness, whatever the journey you go on. But another ceremony, you might just go through, you know, uncovering a lot of uh, trauma that happened in your childhood and you kind of have to deal with it during that uh, ceremony and every single one is so different you know but the the nice thing about ayahuasca is that you know afterwards you experience the same calmness that you would from ibogaine it sort of like brings you back to what's really important and kind of um, makes you focus on the things that really matter to you like you know you don't want to Deal with like any bullshit out there. You just want to focus on getting better and sticking to what really matters to you. So, but yeah, it's kind of, it, it takes a little bit longer with ayahuasca. And for me, like I said, it's been 10, over 10 ceremonies that I've done. And I'm actually planning, um, another journey, uh, this May, because it's been a while since I, I've done any of that. And I feel like I kinda need a reset. So, I'm planning on doing three in a row. Um,
0: and it's all in Mexico. I guess they don't, it's probably not allowed in the States.
1: Well, no. <laughs> there are ways to find uh, ayahuasca in um, in U.S. Like, all of the ayahuasca journeys I've done were in the U.S. Um, Peru is very um, popular for ayahuasca, Peru and Brazil. And there are also different types of brews of ayahuasca kinda of have a different effect as well. Um I yes. I you have to go outside of the country to to get that um to get that done. And uh, the ibogaine I mean ibogaine is pricey, uh only because it does involve, you know, medical staff. And then for me it was uh seven thousand dollars that wow. you know you had to yeah so it's not it's definitely not um, an expensive treatment but definitely worth it um, and then with psilocybin I didn't really do like um, hero doses on psilocybin I only done microdosing on it and there's with psilocybin it's sort of it's really magical <laughs> you know it's magic mushrooms but the effects it has on the brain just rewiring your your brain and firing The um, unconnected regions of the brain. It's really amazing. Like all the studies that they've been coming up with. And they did this um, recent study when they actually um, put people through fMRI to see the connections in their brain after taking psilocybin. And it was literally like a Christmas tree. They would light up like it's a Christmas tree compared to uh, placebo. So I really strongly believe that you know taking psilocybin for pre- people that have like any you know brain conditions or anything like that it could be really, really um, regenerative. And just for regular people, I mean like all these quote unquote biohackers, they experiment with all this stuff out there and I feel like psilocybin is probably um, on top of the all the neurotropics out there that has the most benefits. Because the benefits from them, they basically stay for like over a year. They tested people and they saw that the, they maintained for over a year after taking um, doing psilocybin.
0: Wow! And and this, like when you, when you went into that first ibogaine treatment, that had like a night and day difference with your eating disorders. Like you were able to pretty much nip that in the bud just from that one treatment.
1: Yes, one treatment and it was done. I had absolute easier urges to even you know for food yeah you still get like excited to eat but it was just like yeah you look at it more as a um yeah I need this fuel for you know to go about my day but it's not like excitement you know you do it to like boost your dopamine it's just okay yeah it's food whatever i'll eat i'm done with it and go on with my day versus like before it was just like okay it starts when one bite and it almost never ends until i'm so exhausted that i can't eat anymore
0: it's interesting because that's i mean i used to struggle with eating disorders and i talked about it on prior podcasts and youtube videos but i mean it really screwed me up and it screwed me up for five plus years and it took me that long to have the relationship I have with food now, which is st- strictly like a, a food is fuel standpoint. I mean, I, I, I love to eat, don't get me wrong, but I don't worship the food. I don't put a I don't put it on a pedestal. Like it's there to fuel my performance and, and my day-to-day activities and that's it. But it, I mean, exactly. it took me years. I mean, the fact that you were able to do it basically overnight just boggles me.
1: Right. But you know, prior to that I struggled with it for six years. So Yeah. Yeah. And I felt, you know, and and I felt like it, it is so crippling too because for me I was afraid to go out, you know, with people and have dinners because I know it would start this binge, you know, and like as as I was okay if I could like be by myself and sort of like If I ate what I plan on eating and didn't uh, eat anything additional to that, I could be okay. But then if I went out and I ate something that, you know, I used to count like all my macros and all that stuff. And I feel like, oh, that also messed me up because like if I ate something that didn't fit my macros... Then you know the hell breaks loose. Like okay, Mm -hmm. whatever. You know I already messed up. I must as well go to town with it. And it was just it would end with this horrible, horrible binge. And like I said, going out with people and just not being able to like fit it into my macros, it it would definitely be a scary end to that. But yeah, it, it was a long, long journey, and I was so happy just to stumble upon ibogaine and it really does make night and day difference. And even the people that I was there with, um, they struggle with severe drug addictions. I mean, if you saw those people, oh, my God, like my issue was nothing compared to what they were dealing with. And it was just heartbreaking because those people, they, you know, you spend a week with them and you also go through this talk therapy, During that time, and when you listen to them and what they're going through, it's just heartbreaking, honestly. And then after you go through this experience and you see them again, and they're like brand new people, you know, just the way they look, like their skin tone even changes. And another amazing thing about Ibogaine, too, is that it actually heals your gut. So I would have all these um, digestive issues, like I've mentioned. And then after it, I had zero digestion, digestive problems. And I had this rash um, on my leg that like, would never go away. And after it, it was just gone. And I've heard many people say the same things that something happened with their digestion, that it's just, it's working now. And I was able to eat nuts afterwards that. It, almonds, especially that I was super intolerant to, and have no issues whatsoever. And that was another amazing benefit from it as well.
0: Is there like any, any sense as to what could have happened internally, you know, with your biology that could have changed that?
1: No, um, I honestly, I've tried researching it. And that's the, you know, sad part that there's not much res- research on it. Yes, they're doing, they're diving a little bit deeper into it, but it's mostly from brain standpoint. So they're not doing much on the gut uh, health. And, you know, now we know that gut is uh, connected to brain health. So I would hope that they would start doing a little bit more research in terms of that, even maybe get her a group of people, you know, and tester got brain barrier and just maybe got permeability to see what's happening, you know, before and after. And I think that would be super interesting to see because I truly believe it has a huge, huge benefit on the gut.
0: Yeah, that's incredibly fascinating. Like, I I would never have guessed, like, a substance like that could have such a profound impact on a, you know, like you physically like an actual organ or, you know, part of your physical being. Um, so so, what about like going forward, you know, you hit your, your darkest point and then you, you, you went and you got this gain treatment and then how, how did that transition into you kind of discovering meat? So you mentioned you would, you would eat some eggs or eat some fish and you would feel much better the next day. What was it like transitioning back into eating meat and then going full-fledged carnivore?
1: Uh, so since then I kind of went through Uh, a whole MRSA journey that um, I had to basically go through. (laughs) So here's the story about that. I was actually doing Ibogaine, uh, not Ibogaine, but Ayahuasca, and I got bitten by a brown recluse. And that bite turned into massive infection on my leg and was infected with MRSA. And I went to um, to a doctor. They were supposed to take it to their lab and diagnose it, what it is. Meanwhile, they gave me antibiotic, and they gave me um, steroid cream to put on it. I didn't take the antibiotic because um, I didn't want to mess up uh, my gut. But I was taking a lot of uh, herbal supplements in order to kill the infection. Um, so the infection kind of died down. It got better. And then months later, I got this massive infection on my um, torso. And it kind of started in the growing area and it just escalated within days. And it looked like I had this snake underneath my skin. Turns out that that was um, necrotizing fasciitis caused by MRSA. Took me three surgeries to, took them three surgeries to clean it up. And from that, after all these surgeries, all these antibiotics that I had um, during my hospital stay, that again, messed up my digestion. And at that point I was uh, mostly plant-based keto with, and I was eating fish and and eggs occasionally because eggs then started uh, causing issues for me as well with like rash and whatnot but I was eating some fish and eggs at that point. And after all that MRSA experience, um, I wasn't able to tolerate anything again. And so at that point I'm like, well, maybe if I go back to vegan diet, do it like cooked way, you know, forgetting all the struggles that I went through in the past years, I'm like, maybe that's gonna help my gut. And so I went back to cooked vegan diet, um, you know, focusing mostly on, like, very starchy vegetables, like um, sweet potatoes and white potatoes, you know, when you cook white potatoes and then you refrigerate them. And if you do that, like, multiple times, they accumulate a lot of resistant starch. The resistant starch feeds the good gut bacteria. So I thought, if I, you know, do that, maybe my gut is going to improve. So I started doing that um, two weeks into it. Um, I My gut did feel a little bit better, but then the mental aspect, the binge eating started again, and that freaked me out. I'm like, oh no, this isn't happening again. I'm like, I'm not going to spend $7,000 on ibogaine treatment again. I'm not going to put myself through this so i started researching and my friend um sort of said jokingly well you did you did the vegan you might as well just do the total opposite and go carnivore and and i thought to myself i'm like well meat actually never caused any issues for me you know so maybe i should and then I started, um, seeing a little bit more on, on social media about carnivore diet. And then I listened to Dr. Sean Baker on, um, uh, there was one podcast. It wasn't Joe Rogan's podcast, but it was, I think, uh, Muncie, what's his name? I'm blinking on his name. But one of the other uh, podcasts, I listened to Sean Baker and I'm like, well, that sounds interesting. And in my head, you know, I'm thinking like, this is so stupid. I'm going to get colon cancer, you know, and the worst things that of course, like the vegan mind would bring up about eating meat. That's, Mm -hmm. I went through all of that. But then I thought to myself, you know what? I'm so desperate at this point. I'm going to try anything as long as I don't go back to, you know, the disordered eating, if I can heal, I mean, I'm going to try anything at this point. And that kind of what led to the whole carnivore experiment.
0: And you've been doing that now for how long?
1: For over a year now. Over a year. And I've been experimenting with different forms of carnivore. And I always uh, try to stick to whole foods because even with carnivore, I see a lot of people uh, do a lot of processed stuff, you know, like a lot of the processed meats, a lot of processed cheese, and then they go and complain that, you know, oh, carnivore is not working for me. Well, it really depends on what you're consuming. If you're sticking to really just healthy meat, you know, healthy fats, you're going to, at some point, you're going to realize that, you know, it does really make a difference. And then, um, like I said, I've been experimenting with different. um eating different animal meats. Like, you know, chicken doesn't do it for me. I definitely don't feel great on that. Pork was never, for some reason, American pork, when I smell it, it just makes me feel nauseous. Like I don't ever remember having that feeling in Poland. And I, I've i read that there are different breeds of pork and the American pork is sort of like special bread. So I don't know, maybe that's the what's causing the problems for me, but I could never just tolerate the smell of it. I'll have it sometimes if it's prepared correctly. But um, pork was never my main source of meat. But if I stick to just, you know, grass fed beef, or lamb and goat um, and fish, I feel the best I you know, ever. And now I'm kind of getting ready for experiment raw meat experiments. So I'm going to run it for 30 days, and all raw meat, raw beef and lamb, and see how that goes. Because a lot of people believe that raw meat is optimal, you know, that you absorb all the nutrients out there, and there's vitamin C and actually raw meat, and raw liver. So I just want to see if it really makes that much of a difference from health standpoint. And I'll be running all these uh, blood tests to see, test the micronutrients, test the test the microbiome, and other bro- uh, blood markers to see if that really is the truth. And I just want to see how I feel. You know, if I can improve my health in any way, um, why not try it?
0: And and where are you gonna to source the the raw meat? I don't think there's anything wrong with raw meat as long as you're just coming from a good, reliable source. If You can, you can kind of get into some trouble if you don't get it from a good spot.
1: Right. Um, I'm actually I'm partnering up with U.S. Wellness Meats. Um, they're going to be my sponsor for that. They're definitely not an advocate of you know raw meat diet. Um, so I just want to state that. Um, but yes, I'll be um, working with U.S. Wellness Meats. They're going to be providing 100% of all the meat.
0: I actually get all my meat from them as well
1: isn't it amazing? I mean, I love their uh, uh, prime strip. Oh my gosh, the the fat on that meat that cut it tastes literally like toasted butter to me. It's like yeah. it's so good. It's it's amazing stuff. So yeah,
0: and and you're starting next here soon.
1: I'm starting it actually April 1st i I'll be doing like all the blood work um, before so, end of March, I'll be performing the before uh, butt work. And then um, after a month, I'm going to be retesting for everything. So, whole month of April. It's going to be a raw meat diet.
0: <laughs> yeah, that'll be interesting, though. It's exciting.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll be documenting everything on my Instagram, see um, how I feel day to day. It'll be interesting. <laughs>
0: I wonder if, you know, kind of going back to the infection you were fighting, I wonder if that was largely, you know, part of just like your immune system not operating at a high level because of your nutrition at that time, because you said you were predominantly keto vegan then, right?
1: Yeah, uh, keto vegan. And the thing about that is, is, that's definitely the case about the immune system, because I uh, flew to Phoenix to see my family and we, and it was such a quick trip and we had, we had our schedule just filled with events and it was just from one thing to another thing. And I, at that time I was actually doing a lot of fasting, um, during that time and a lot of stress as well. And I was, before that i was taking a lot of supplements too and for that trip i decided like oh i'm not going to take any supplements i guess my body can take a break for you know a couple of days and it was definitely a stressful time uh, so my immune system definitely was down and you know when you fly your immune system is already compromised just from that alone so yeah there's no doubt about that
0: i'm, I'm stalking your instagram and i see like the the infection i mean it's It's crazy what it did to your your torso there.
1: Oh my god, I can I can send you pictures that um, are like not right after, but like a week after um, the surgery. There were there were extensive. I don't know if I have them on Instagram because I think that some people would probably puke from seeing it. But
0: (laughs) it looked like someone just like filleted you wide open, like three different places.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of people who don't know this story, they think that I was fighting a bear or I had, I was attacked by a shark or something like that. And so many times I want to say that that was the case because it definitely <laughs> makes it more interesting that, oh, yeah, I just had necrotizing fasciitis, you know.
0: No, this is this is pretty interesting. I don't think your story lacks any luster by any means.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was definitely uh Fun experience.
0: <laughs> and you haven't had any of those issues to I mean, hardly at all, like with regards to your immune system, your digestive system, your your mentality, your your eating disorder, any of that to, to any degree now that you've followed a pretty well, you know, carnivore keto approach.
1: Right. Um honestly the main benefits for me on a carnivore diet are the mental aspect of it, the digestive, and just being able not to binge on food, you know, because even on carno uh, on keto, I was massively binge eating still. Um, and then you know it would turn into then fasting, and then after I would be done fasting, I would binge eat again. It was just that vicious cycle that you know even that was probably like a year after I begin already. And like I said, the effects from I begin definitely wear out after some time. And it started happening for me again on, you know, ketogenic when I, it wasn't as bad as it was in the, like on the uh, vegan diet, but I still experienced a lot of overeating or binge eating on keto and on carnivore. That just doesn't happen for me. So I do believe that, you know, the meat and all the minerals and nutrients and also all the protein absorbs so well that it just shuts down like all the cravings. And I know that many uh, women out there, they struggle with the same thing, you know, even on ketogenic diet, I've coached many women through that as well. And the problem with that is that, you know, we, there's so many overachievers out there and they wanna do a fasted workout, you know, the first thing in the morning or on just black coffee. But for women, it's kind of a little bit trickier. It works well for men, but for women, the hormones just doesn't work like that. You know, you wake up in the morning, your cortisol is already high. Then on top of that, you drink coffee, you stress your uh, adrenals, then you do a fasted workout. That's more stress on your adrenals. It's just like, it's a pretty much recipe for a disaster. So I feel that, you know, if, if you do have a nutrient dense breakfast, Women actually burn more calories later on if they do have breakfast uh, first thing in the morning, then they work out. And then, you know, if they do have another meal, maybe like at three or 4 PM, and then the fast. till the, you know, next day breakfast and that, that way, you know, it's sort of like reversed fasting in a sense, but mm-hmm. that's what I see, um, works the best for many, many women. Um, especially who struggle with like binge eating and things like that um, on keto or, you know, carnivore diets. So there are, yeah, so many benefits in terms of um, carnivore diet. And like I said, for me, the top three is basically the mental aspect. uh, Well, and then the libido. I mean, (laughs) let's just face it. You know, now I wish I had a boyfriend. That would definitely be useful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, the, um, uh, well, well, nothing I can say can follow up with that. <laughs> but uh, it is interesting, like the, the benefits you start to notice when you transition to this lifestyle, especially when something so counter to it is, you know, in your not too distant past and you have a pretty good remembrance of what you were feeling like, um, you know, like People don't even realize their level of inflammation until they get onto ketogenic diet, carnivore diet, and they recognize that they're they're not swollen anymore. They they're able to to walk. Their knees don't bother them. Just like so many subtle differences that aren't so subtle, and it's it's crazy to think that so much of this, if not all of it, can be stemmed back to the food that you're eating. But once you realize that, you just become empowered because you recognize that you know that is something that you have complete control over. So many people you know, think and believe that they feel a certain way or they're at a disadvantage in life because of some hereditary genetic issues or some, you know, family predisposition. But, you know, so much of it, if not all of it, like I say, can just be fixed because of the food you're putting in your mouth and you have 100% control over that, which is just awesome.
1: Yeah, it's so amazing. I mean, food is really, what you put in your mouth is just, can cure pretty much your brain and your all the physical issues that you've been dealing with.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Sylvia, I could literally sit here and talk to you for another two hours because um, <laughs> I think you've got an interesting <laughs> enough story to just keep on expanding. Um, tell you what, though, I want to be respectful of your time. Can I? Can I bother you and have you come on again after your raw meat experiment? Because I'd love to go over some of the the data, the numbers, the the blood work that you've taken. And we'll take and just kind of dive into the 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 numbers and the science behind it all.
1: Absolutely. And I just realized we didn't even touch on the experiment I did, grass fed versus grain fed beef, um, and omega three profiles. So <laughs> we yeah, absolutely. I'll be happy to come back.
0: Well let's definitely cover that one then too. I mean, I, I want to uh <laughs> I want to cover all of it because I I feel like you're the type of person that as you said, you you dive into the research, you don't you don't take anything for granted. You actually get quality, you know, data from these experiments you perform on yourself and, and that goes a long way. You know, so many people wait for a scientific paper to be published and the government to announce that this should be the new standard, but that's just I mean, that's just such a lag time. Like if you have, you know, real relevant data at your fingertips that you've noticed in your own experimentation, I'm I'm definitely keen to find out about it.
1: Awesome. I'll be back then. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Well, Sylvia, where where can people go to find out more about you and follow along and, and see these crazy pictures on your Instagram?
1: <laughs> well, I basically live on Instagram. So um at biohacking.chick and I do have a website, uh, biohacking.chick.com. I'm not very active on there, but yeah, Instagram is where I live.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, Sylvia, again, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed the conversation and I will... I will definitely be back in touch because I will want to get you back on here without a doubt. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. Have a good one.